all right, howdy out there. This is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebman of Cotton Grower Magazine coming at you with the award-winning Cotton Companion Podcast here this, what feels like the eighth week of August, uh, or the seventh week of August here. It's the second week of September, but man, it is hot and dry out there. Uh, So whether you are listening to us uh, in the Centennial Wash out there in Maricopa County or from the banks of Lake Blackshear in South Georgia, we are deeply appreciative that you're with us. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Mr. Jim Stebman. Howdy, Jim. Hello, Beck, and, and trust me, I think I'd much rather be sitting on the banks of Lake Blackshear right now yeah. than, uh, than, than struggling with uh, things out in Maricopa County. No offense, California. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, uh, my gosh, if, if it's still there, I mean, if it's not dried up, because, boy, it has been dry here in Memphis, we can say... Um, you know, we, all my pots and potted stuff are starting to look, uh, uh, yeah, dried to, to a crisp. So we hope y'all are doing better out there. Maybe y'all like it like that out there if you're if you're in the Mid-South at this point. But anyhow, we, we are in the studio today ahead of a week of busy travel. Next week, both of us will be visiting the Lone Star State to check out crop conditions out there, although we will be in different corners of Texas uh, we'll be happy. Well, we're happy to be here in the mm-hmm. Mid South, and therefore coming to you right now. So uh, we got a great companion episode loaded up for y'all today. But the first thing we want to do is bring you a brief message from our sponsors at Enlist. This episode of Cotton Companion is brought to you by the Enlist Weed Control System, ready to help you control tough weeds with 2,4-D choline featuring inherent low volatility. So, all right, that was a great and timely Enlist ad because at this moment, we want to bring you a brief custom content segment featuring our own Robin Sichtberg, who y'all have come to know, no doubt. And she recently had the chance to sit down and speak with Haley Neighbors. She is an Enlist technology specialist. So we want to bring you that custom interview right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sichtberg, custom content editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. Joining me today is Haley Neighbors, Enlist Field Specialist. Uh, welcome to the program, Haley. Thanks, Robin. Now, you work specifically with the Enlist weed control system. And what type of weed control performance have you seen from the Enlist herbicides this season? Overall, I would say weed control with the Enlist herbicides has looked really good. Uh, this was a challenging year due to the, the weather and the rain we faced early on. Um, but overall, those with the best weed control results were able to, um, you know, follow the, the start clean, stay clean type mantra that we talk about using a good burn down. Um, they were able to incorporate residual herbicides that really allowed for more timely applications of their post applications of enlist herbicides. So whenever we take a look at those post applications, I would say growers were especially impressed with the applications of Enlist 1, where they were able to tank mix with glufosinate, uh, where we have these two effective modes of action going out there after those weeds, we've been able to do a really good job cleaning up some fields. Good. What are the key drivers of more growers using the Enlist system in cotton? Two of the key drivers that really are are shifting growers into adopting the Enlist system in cotton is, is in my mind, going to be weed control and germplasm. Uh, the Enlist weed control system in phytogen cotton is going to provide really, really good weed control on some of those troublesome weeds, palmer, mare's tail, water hemp. 
um, and is going to be available in the most elite genetics from Phytogen. So overall performance from the herbicide as well as the germplasm has been really strong. That's great to hear because, you know, as we all know, those weeds are pretty challenging and, you know, to find something that is effective really benefits farmers. Where can farmers get more information on the Enlist cotton and the Enlist E3 soybeans and the Enlist weed control system? I know there are probably a lot of questions about Enlist Cotton and now Enlist E3 soybeans that we have full commercialization there, um, as well as maybe the herbicide program in general. So I would certainly encourage them to reach out to their local crop protection and seed territory managers. Um, and they also have the ability to visit www.enlist.com for additional information. Good. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. We've, we've got to wrap up soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Okay. A big thank you to Robin and to Haley Neighbors of Enlist for that. And uh, now we want to get the ball rolling on this here, our 55th companion episode. And boy, it's a good one. Uh, Jim, as always, is going to lead us in our news segment of the day. We're talking, among other things, crop progress here at the heading into the home stretch of the season and now we're talking to foliation scheduling scheduling accordingly and uh and much more uh, after that we're going to bring you an interview jim recently conducted with a great friend of the podcast mr tyson raper he is the extension cotton specialist for this great state of tennessee and uh, he's talking i believe among other things uh cover crop timing this fall I, we'll we'll get into uh a summary of that a little later but as you could tell a great episode lined up so without further ado i'm going to get out of the way and turn it over to my man jim here who will lead us in a little more focused discussion of the news items of the day go for it jim okay thank you beck uh we're going to take a quick look at crop progress uh particularly in a week following hurricane dorian's movement up the eastern seaboard uh early reports that we've been seeing and, and getting indicate that the vast majority of cotton acres in georgia and a good portion of the acres in the Carolinas escaped with uh, with just little to to minimal damage. Certainly, there were some areas over along the coast in North Carolina that that sustained a little bit more damage, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But based on the uh, the latest crop progress report available to us, less than 50% of the bowls in those states were open when the storm arrived. So that was a huge benefit. Uh, as opposed to what we saw last year when Hurricane Michael came barreling through right at harvest time. Yeah. Uh, but according to the report at this point, it said 36% of the bowls nationwide were reported open. Uh, bowl set is essentially done. Uh, I think we were sitting at 97% uh, when the report was issued. And cotton condition continued to show its usual week-to-week shifts. Uh, and it moved more to the positive side with this most recent report with cotton rated good to excellent in 48% of the crop, and that's a 5% positive change in the past week. Uh, the shift came really out of the fair rating category, which uh, which set at 37%, and even cotton that fell into the, the poor, very poor category showed some improvement on the week with only 15% of the crop rated uh, with, that, with that rating. Uh, we're going to have obviously updated reports coming up this week, which will give us may give us a better impact or in indication on Dorian's impact uh, on crop condition, and the September supply demand report will be coming. So they'll see what uh, what that has to do with the markets. Also, if you do have cotton that was in Dorian's path, let me urge you to check out some information from North Carolina State on how to manage your crop 
following a hurricane, and you'll be able to find that information on cottongrower.com. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good tip there, Jim. And uh, like you say, maybe a situation where that late start that we had there in the southeast because of droughty conditions at planting time turned out to be a blessing in disguise. With the, you know, you say you didn't have as many bowls open by the time the hurricane got there this year, so uh, maybe maybe a blessing. Like mm-hmm. I say, uh, at any rate, going to be a big old crop. I think uh, at the end of this year. <laughs> I mean. Uh, that's what uh, the word was at that NCC mid-year meeting I went to a couple weeks ago. Even if conditions continued to deteriorate, it was going to be, and at that point, things were a little too dry in a couple spots. Um, things It was going to be the third biggest crop on record, and it sounds like things did not deteriorate from that point. At least this is the, the very next crop or progress report was the one you just got done saying. Sure. So gonna be gonna be a big old crop, which we'll, I guess is a good thing for yeah, those. We'll of y'all. we'll we'll see what USDA says uh, later this week. Yeah, with it, supply demand. Yeah, uh, if they if they raise the production estimate. Yeah, hopefully they won't. Hopefully they won't. Yeah. That's right. Uh, also, uh, last week USDA's Farm Service Agency announced the beginning of the uh, what they call the election election and enrollment period for both the ARC and PLC programs for 2019 and 2020 crop years. Now, the 2018 Farm Bill uh, requires producers to choose between the ARC county and PLC on a covered commodity by covered commodity basis or an ARC individual for all crops on the farm. This applies for both 2019 and 2020 crop years. That decision has to be made by March 15th of next year. And producers also have to enroll their farm uh, after making the program choice, and that deadline is also March 15th. Now, it's, you know, ARC and PLC enrollment for 2020 uh, begins October 7th. And just as a reminder, any seed cotton base acres enrolled in either ARC or PLC are not eligible for the stacks crop insurance coverage on planted cotton acres beginning in 2020. Long story, long, long intro to get to the, to the meat of this, but as an industry service, the National Cotton Council is going to be conducting a series of webinars to help educate members and growers about these details regarding this uh, Farm Bill implementation and the election process for ARC or PLC. They have four webinars scheduled. Uh, the first one is September 19th at 8 a.m. And all of these times are uh, Central Daylight Savings Time. So September 19th at 8 a.m., September 23rd at 8 a.m., September 25th at 8 a.m., and September 26th at 10 a.m. Now, there will be some additional information released prior to these webinars, but other information about details can certainly be found online at the NCC website. And on a related note, just, you know, the hot news announced today, uh, Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue announced that producers affected by natural disasters in 2018 and 19, including Hurricane Dorian, can now apply for assistance through the Wildlife and Hurricane Indemnity Program Plus, or the WIP Plus program, and sign up for this program begins September 11th. There is more than $3 billion available through the disaster relief package that was passed by Congress and signed by the President Trump in early June. And all the information about this, including eligibility requirements, can be found online at USDA's farmers.gov website. 
That's good. I, sometimes I feel like I should go in there and like you were talking about those webinars a second ago and I was like, should I explain to these folks what a webinar is? <laughs> but if y'all are listening to a podcast, I suspect you're I'm pretty, more, I'm pretty sure they know what webinars yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably a little more tech savvy than some others. Absolutely. So. And, we, and we give you all the, uh, all the, all the, uh, accolades yeah there for, you, go. Uh, you know for being being tech savvy and participating because it uh, it's certainly a, it's certainly a way to allow you to get more involved and get more information quickly for sure uh, we're going to shift gears just a little bit and look at defoliation timing because uh, we're starting to see reports come out from various universities and, and various parts of the industry about getting ready for defoliation and uh, I'm just I'm just going to kind of recap some of this uh, that basically, as, as all the extension folks will tell you, knowing when to defoliate is pretty much the, uh, the key decision that you're facing this time of the year. And Mark Freeman out of the University of Georgia, uh, he's a cooperative extension cotton agronomist, uh, offered three recommendations for how to determine if crops ready to be defoliated. Uh, first of all is percentage of open bowls. Uh, as he says, when a crop has about 70% open bowls, it's safe to defoliate. If the crop is uniform without fruiting gaps, and that might be kind of hard to find in places this year, it is likely mature enough to, uh, to go ahead and pull the trigger on it. Uh, you can also look at number of nodes above crack bowls. And with this method, basically look for the highest crack bowl and then count the number of nodes up the plant to the uppermost harvestable bowl. And if there are four or less nodes between the two, it's okay to go ahead and defoliate. And probably the safest method is the good old sharp knife. Uh, cut, take uh, pull bowls, cut representative bowls, open at a cross section, and check the seed to see if you have a fully developed dark seed coat and length that strings out. Uh, likewise, the 2019 edition of the Mid-South Cotton Defoliation Guide is now available online. Uh, this guide is compiled and updated annually by the Mid-South Cotton Specialist Working Group which includes extension specialists from Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU, uh, University of Arkansas, and University of Tennessee. And you should be able to find links to that guide on each of the state's extension websites. A uh, couple follow-up items here. Number one, in, uh, in our last podcast, we reported about uh, some vandalism in uh, in coastal Texas, uh, some newly harvested cotton bales found slashed open in the field, uh, resulting in an estimated $50,000 in damages for the farmers involved. We're happy to report that according to local news reports in the Corpus Christi area, two men were arrested in San Patricio County in conjunction with that vandalism. Uh, both suspects were arrested in Taft, Texas by San Patricio County uh, Sheriff's Department and both are charged with felony criminal mischief. So uh, hopefully that has that has put an end to uh, to that situation, and we don't see uh, don't see any other issues of vandalism or, or damage moving ahead from this point. Yep. Shout out to the boys in blue there. Absolutely. Happy to hear about that one. Absolutely. And finally, registration and housing reservations are going to begin September 17th for the 2020 Beltwide Cotton Conferences. And that meeting will be held January 8th through the 10th at the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas. This is the first time Austin has hosted this, uh, this annual conference. Uh, the conference obviously is coordinated by the National Cotton Council, and it brings together university and USDA researchers, ex 
extension personnel and agents, consultants, and affiliated industry personnel each year to discuss and review new products and new production processing systems to help increase production and ginning efficiency. That registration info can be found on the Beltwide website, which is linked to the National Cotton Council's site. And that's it. Very good. Yeah, I'll be in Austin next week. Looking forward to go, going out, getting back out to Austin. Been a while since I've been there. Haven't been since I wouldn't watch my Rebels play the Longhorns four years ago now. So this seems like a century ago when back when Ole Miss was really good. But we're not talking college football. No, no we're not. I, I thought about that as I was going to – we are trying not to talk about football, uh, at least until the Volunteers or the Rebels really do anything noteworthy. So – Anyhow, I think, uh, I think our, our season has already been set. Yeah, so. it might, might not be this year. Yeah, might, it might not be this year. Yeah. So anyhow. It's always uh, next year. Right. Uh, so we, we uh, <laughs> appreciate you, Jim. Appreciate that news update. We want to bring you all now uh, an interview that Jim actually conducted with Dr. Tyson Raper. Uh, he and Jim caught up at a, was it ex- extension cotton meeting? It was the uh, the annual UT Cotton Field Day in Jackson, Tennessee. There you go. That thing they put on in Jackson, which is always a great event. It's it so, is yeah, definitely it's, a great great event to be down. Yeah, very well attended. It always makes me feel better about cotton because <clears throat> a lot of, lot of those guys show up, turn up for that thing to talk about our crop. So anyhow, that was last week, and they talked about uh, I believe cover crop timing, uh, use of DD60s for cotton maturity. Anything else y'all did that's of note? Jim? No, and, I th- and just a just a quick note on the on the DD60. Um, Tyson and a number of other specialists at at other universities in the cotton belt are working in conjunction with Cotton Incorporated on a study to kind of examine and possibly reevaluate the the way that the DD60s. Uh, can be adjusted for it to help provide a clearer indication of cotton maturity almost on a regional by regional basis. So it's a fascinating uh, fascinating study and, and Tyson does a great job of explaining what they're up to and, and where they're going uh, with that in addition to some input on you know looking at, at, at cover crop timing considering the lateness of this year. Very good. Very cool then. Okay, well, we'll just let Tyson uh, explain it to y'all then. Bear with us. We'll bring you that interview right now. Welcome to this edition's Market Minute. Uh, instead of taking a look at the uh, the actual cotton market this week, we're going to take a look at that, some other factors that could impact uh, cotton production and uh, as, as we finish out this year and certainly look forward to, uh, to moving into 2020. And my guest today is Dr. Tyson Raper. He's an extension cotton specialist with the University of Tennessee. Uh, we're sitting here in Jackson, Tennessee at the West Tennessee uh, Extension and Research Center uh, following the UT Cotton Field Day. Tyson, it was a great day. Thanks for having us and thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here, Jim. Absolutely. One of the things I want to talk to you about, you've been a big proponent of cover crops and their, their fit and their use in, in cotton production. And we know that, that we've seen a greater, greater amount of adoption of cover crops over the last couple of years as more and more studies have been put in place and showing the benefits and things like that. This year we had uh, sort of a strange year. Obviously, as you know, in terms of planting, we had some that got in early. We had some some crops that didn't get in late. We've had different. We've had cotton at different stages of maturity in the same fields. Um, we're not exactly sure what we're going to be. What harvest is going to look like yet, and how long that's going to take. How is this going to impact a grower's plans 
uh, for getting his cover crops in once this season is over with. It, it can be a challenge establishing a, a cover crop in a season that it's a little bit challenging to get the, the cash crop out. Right. Uh, we had some issues uh, last year. Uh, we've been con- conducting some research. When I say we, not myself personally, but U- University of Tennessee has been conducting some uh, aerial seeding, like broadcast seeding studies. Mm-hmm. We do have some cover crop that gets aerial seeded. It's 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 at times difficult to get a, an adequate uh, stand with that aerial seeding. It's far better to get it drilled. Sure. Uh, but you know something is better uh, than nothing, and, and we can see real benefits from. Uh, even even uh, very very inexpensive uh, bin run wheat, ju- just having some biomass present over the winter months can really help, especially in West Tennessee, highly erodible ground. Uh, uh, if we have some biomass there to allow that hold that uh, soil soil in place, move that water down instead of allowing it to run off the landscape, because uh, you can see some real benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, it also plays into the whole <clears throat> whole soil health, and, and which leads into the sustainability programs that the industry has going. Um, what I guess what mixes of cover crops seem to work well? It seems to be different. You know, every grower has has a mix, uh, and those those mixes vary quite a bit by region. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen some issues with some of the brassica species. We don't typically use those in our mixes. Uh, if you lean heavy on uh, a vetch or Austrian winter pea, that can cause some issues with binding row cleaners. Sure. Uh, but the vetch and winter pea, they're, they're fixed nitrogen, right? They're going to be providing mm-hmm. some real benefits. Uh, <clears throat> that seems to vary uh, by region. It varies by producer. Some producers have a mixture that they uh, very, found very successful, don't have any issues integrating into their system. Uh, what we try to recommend, Jim, is to start small Start with uh, mixtures that are fairly easy to terminate, that aren't going to impact your normal production system, uh, or if they do impact it, only impact it slightly. And that'll allow us, we, we want to we make sure that this integration, this, this, when we start to look at cover crops, we want the first experience to be a positive one, uh, not a negative one. And, and the benefits far outweigh the risks but the risks uh, tend to fall very early in the season, right there around establishment. If we can get that cotton crop up mm-hmm. through that first uh, <clears throat> ten days, uh, from there on, we'll we'll be uh, be able to reap the benefits of that cover. Crop. Sure. Is there going to be a point where it might be too late for a grower to get a crop in, uh, cover crop in? Yeah, I, I, that changes, you know, from year to year and location to location. When we start getting into November, it gets really challenging to get an adequate. We need to get some growth before it gets terribly cold. Right. Uh, otherwise, <clears throat> it's going to be very difficult for that crop to, the cover crop, to take off in the spring. We want biomass. That's the key. Uh, in order to get biomass in the spring, we're going to have to have some type of a growing period in the fall mm-hmm. uh, to where we can overwinter and then and then really take off in the spring. Sure. And then when we get to the spring, you want to terminate that crop, what, about two weeks before planting? Yeah. And that, that, that tends to change again by region and by producer. From our research, we can reduce risks if we have a crispy cover crop, mm-hmm. terminated cover crop at planting. If that's two weeks 
or three weeks prior to plant. That's that's typically where we fall. Um, that allows biomass to persist in the system uh, without having the risks associated uh, with planting green. Which uh, that not to say that, you know, it works for some, but it's it, it can is be done. Can, it it yes. is risky. It is risky. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that, that uh, I was interested in, in in your presentations here at the, at the field day today, you're mentioning uh, a research study that you're currently involved in, in conjunction, I believe we said, with Cotton Incorporated, to take a look at the uh, the DD60s and uh, and possibly reevaluate the way those are used in in cotton production. Can you kind of explain? Uh, the background and why you're doing doing research on this. So, so we we first, as an industry, adopted the DD60 model in the early '80s, and uh, a lot has changed since 19, 1983. Was one of the first publications that mentioned the uh, growing degree day base 60. Right. Uh, yield average yield across the U.S. cotton belt in 1983 was uh, 506 pounds. And as you know, average yield last year was 864 pounds right. for the U.S. cotton belt. So, so cotton has changed quite a bit. Uh, additionally, our our technology has changed. Uh, Apple sold a a 64 kilobyte uh, computing power uh, computer in 1983, and now the base model is uh, from Apple is two million times uh, has two million times the, the computing power. So, right, we've got we've seen a tremendous change in germplasm. We've seen a real change in in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we carry around uh, computing power that doesn't even compare to what we had then, right? right. So, so the reason we settled on DD60s in in '83 was it was an easy method that that quantified temperature, which is one of the factors that drives maturity. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only factor, right? And, and that's kind of why we we're <clears throat> interested in just reassessing DD60s in this new germplasm. Uh, and, and beyond that, maybe looking at incorporating a few other factors, solar radiation, humidity, uh, maybe a heat unit in June isn't the same as a heat unit uh, in October. And, and so there's a lot of different ways that we can tackle this heat unit and, mm-hmm. and maturity and modeling uh, cotton growth uh, problem. Uh, really excited to have uh, Cotton Incorporated uh, sponsoring this project, and it is not by any means um, something that, that uh, I'm involved with alone. We have cotton specialists from across the entire cotton right. belt that are participating, and that's the value, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a tremendous amount of data. Uh, we've got uh, people on the ground watching these. Uh, we're watching several varieties mature and hitting key growth stages, uh, and that's going to give us the, the database that we need to create a, a very thorough investigation of our thresholds, uh, we publish to reach given growth stages, um, as well as potentially reevaluate the DD60 system altogether. Sure. Is this something once once this study is done? Is, are you looking at some sort of tool or some sort of program that a grower could, you know, could could pull up or, or connect into to sort of help help him make the decisions on his farm? Absolutely. One of the one of the complaints that we've heard recently in the past there ha- have been a few websites that uh, provide the DD60 calculations fairly easily. Uh, we're very hopeful to find a solution, uh, maybe a, a one-stop shop, create a website to sure. where a grower could go in, put their plant date and location, and then generate a DD60 curve for growing season up to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think, is absolutely going to be one deliverable out of this project. 
Uh, and we may see another deliver will be uh, more accurate, uh, maybe not DD60 based, but a more accurate uh, measure of in environmental uh, conditions uh, to help us predict cotton growth stages. Sounds great. Tyson, thank you. I appreciate your time, your advice. It's been a busy day. I know you've got other things to do. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for being here, and I appreciate you doing this companion. Not at all. Uh, thanks. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back with more of this, uh, this episode of the Cotton Companion. So, all right. Well, we want to give a big thank you to Tyson uh, for always being so willing to accommodate us. That's Dr. Tyson Raper of UT Extension, University of Tennessee Extension. He's the cotton specialist here. Uh, no matter how often we lean to, we lean on him, he is always so courteous and gracious and makes time for us. And, uh, you know, that's a reflection of how much of a friend to Tennessee farmers that guy is and to anyone else who may could use his expertise. So, uh, yeah, we thank you. Thank you, Dr. Raper. So uh, we're going to bring you a brief message from our gracious sponsor, Enlist, and then I'll be back to get you out of here. A cotton field at harvest can be a beautiful sight. Besides evaluating yield, you may be scouting for weeds and considering weed management plans for next year. Let Phytogen Cottonseed with the Enlist trait help you control your toughest weeds. With Phytogen W3FE varieties, you can make Enlist herbicides the cornerstone of your weed control program. You can apply a burndown and pre-emergence treatments featuring residual herbicides, then take advantage of Enlist herbicides post-emergence. Enlist 1 is a straight goods 2,4-D choline that offers additional tank mix flexibility, including the ability to tank mix with glufosinate. Enlist Duo Herbicide is a convenient blend of 2,4-D choline and glyphosate. Both feature near-zero volatility and reduced drift potential to stay on target during and after application. Learn more at Enlist.com. All right, well, that'll just about do it for this installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank Enlist for sponsoring us, and we want to thank you, dear listeners, sincerely for joining us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing... By all means, tell your buddies about us. They can get to us in three easy ways. The first is go to crotcottongrower.com forward slash companion. You'll go to a landing page that shows all 55 of our episodes now. Second way, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever it is that you find your podcast these days. And the third way, the best way, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news. You can do that by going to www.cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Re-up your magazine subscription while you're there. You'd be doing us a great favor. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. We hope you're enjoying our latest issue, which should be the September issue. should be hitting your mailbox any day now, as today is about September 9. So that thing should be coming to you at any day. Uh, it's a great one. We hope you like it. Uh, this podcast is produced by Mr. Tyler Hatch, who works at the Mothership, Meister Media Worldwide, in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'm going to be back with you in two weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stedman, we wish you and your farm all the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cotton Companion. Visit Enlist.com to learn more about the Enlist weed control system and to hear from farmers experiencing the technology.